Hi friends, I'm Tierney. And I'm Shelby. And we're Dead Dead Drunk. Drunk. She'll be back soon. Yeah, she's actually on a plane as we're recording this on her way back to us. Yeah, so so get here safe. When you're listening to this, she'll be home. Oh, isn't that trippy? Uh, I know, it's like a (laughs) weird time warp thing. I don't know. Um, So do you want to tell them about our setup today for this podcast? Sure. (laughs) So we normally set up in my upstairs room where it'll be super quiet but it's the middle of the day and nobody's home so it's quiet everywhere so we're downstairs in my apartment in my in my bed yeah happy yom kippur (laughs) Woo! happy new year right it's the new year uh i don't know about that because i feel like i had some jewish friends that posted happy new year like a couple weeks ago Oh, okay. Then I don't it's know. not the new year. Should we Google it? Do we sound like uncultured swine right now? I mean, we are we are not Jewish. So if you are Jewish and you, I think Yom Kippur is a about is a sad one. This is I think it's a sad one. Is it sad? It's the Day of Atonement, the holiest day of the year in Judaism. Its central themes are atonement and repentance. Oh. Jews traditionally observe this holy day with an approximate twenty-five hour period of fasting. An intensive prayer, often spending most of the day in synagogue services. Wow. Power to you guys, because I can't even go like five hours without eating. That's yeah, too we many. just ate a Chuck E. Cheese pizza. Which, <laughs> if you haven't had one in years, it's so good, man. I mean, they stuff cheese in the crust now, and it's better than like Pizza Hut stuffed crust pizza. Yeah, it was it's actually great. And we kind of got it as a joke because... Of the whole conspiracy theory with the pizza, which if you don't know, there's like a huge conspiracy theory that Chuck E. Cheese reuses pizza slices and puts them in a new pizza and then just like kind of warms it up and you eat like the old pizza. It's recycling. Yeah. I mean, it's a very responsible decision, to be honest. Yeah. Um, And it's still the same pizza. It's still good. It's fine. Yeah. But like germs, like I'm expecting like... (laughs) children at birthday parties like picking their nose and touching all the slices of pizza and then that pizza being taken they touch all the slices of pizza well i don't know they're kids oh, i never touched all the slices okay of pizza. well you weren't an asshole <laughs> <laughs> that's true you there are kids came that are into your, you came into your assholeness later in life later in <laughs> life. <laughs> that's true i grew into it it was like my nose so <laughs> <laughs> holy crap all right well enough of this bullshit uh, do you yeah. want to tell them about our drink this week? Yeah. Well, first, let me tell you what we're going to get into this week. And this one is a special request. This one came after the Van Brett Watkins case. And I'm sorry, I forget exactly who asked for it, but we're keeping the football theme going. And today I'm going to tell you about Aaron Hernandez and some other Patriots. I but bet I can find it on Instagram. Hold on. <laughs> okay. Just so we can get who suggested it I right. think it was one of Katie's friends and I think I have actually it was. no idea was it who it is. Steve? Or Sean? It is definitely somebody that I don't know so I took it as a viewer request. So <laughs> technically I guess it is but it's it's definitely of somebody that like listens to all of our podcasts. Or a listener request? Not a viewer. 
We don't have viewers. Um, <laughs> give us a, f- a five star review if you want us to start filming the podcast. <laughs> you would literally just see us in Shelby's bed. Yeah, we can set up a camera on my dresser and you'll just see us sitting in bed drinking mimosas. That's what's happening today. The request came from somebody named Carrie. Their Instagram is Hindred. Oh, yeah, that is Katie's friend. H-I-N-D-R-E-D. Uh, maybe it's Hindered. But, like, when I think of Hinder, I just think of lips of an angel. It's really good to hear your <laughs> voice. <laughs> so, thank you to Carrie for the uh, for the suggestion. C- Carrie is a, a big supporter of our podcast. I feel like they like lot of our yeah posts. they do it was really so, great so and thank you thank you for being a friend okay continue. and we really love the suggestions we'll pretty much cover anything as long as it's not super boring yeah please keep them coming yeah love it but in preparation for today's drink i looked up the most new england drink since the patriots play in new england wah, wah, wah. <laughs> and i didn't want to do a patriots jello shot or a patriots themed drink because I hate them. But <laughs> <laughs> so we settled on the Cape Codder. This drink, what you're going to do is combine six ounces ocean spray cranberry juice cocktail, chilled, 1.5 ounce vodka, one teaspoon lemon juice, and then pour that over a tall glass filled with ice. Bing, bang, boom. Love that for us. Mm-hmm. It's delicious. Yeah. But with that, let's get into the story. All right, let's do it. I can't wait. I am going to start at the beginning, which my mom always comments on and says, you know, we don't need to know where they were born or where they took their first shit. But in some cases, you you do do need to know. And, you know, the sound of music said it best. Let's start at the very beginning. A very good place to start. (laughs) When you read, you begin with... Okay, that's enough. (laughs) When you sing, you begin with do re mi, do re mi. The first three notes just (laughs) happen to be. It's gonna be a while. I'm so sorry. I'm done. (laughs) Do uh, do no. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Where did he take his first shit? Tell me. All right. Well, he definitely took his first shit in Bristol, Connecticut, because that's where he was born on November sixth, nineteen eighty nine. To parents, Dennis Hernandez and Terry Valentine Hernandez. His parents had a bit of a rocky relationship. Hernandez remembers his mother throwing his father out of the house on multiple different occasions, but she always let him back in. As that it was goes. her first mistake. <laughs> when Hernandez was just two years old, his parents divorced and then filed for bankruptcy. Just five years later, though, the couple remarried. Both of Hernandez's parents would be involved in criminal activity and arrested throughout the course of their lives. So, not great role models. Dennis was cultivating an image of himself as a man who had previously had run-ins with the police, but ultimately turned his life around to become a good father and husband. He pushed both Hernandez and his older brother, Dennis Jonathan Jr., known as DJ, to excel in both school and sports. Unfortunately, he was often abusive in this pushing. He would beat them, and these beatings that both Hernandez and his older brother suffered were mostly due to his father's belief that the boys were not trying hard enough in school or athletics. But some of the beatings would be for no reason at all, or simply because Dennis was drunk. I hate that. Yeah. Hernandez reportedly once came to school with a black eye that the coach believed was inflicted by his father. 
You probably thought this because Dennis Hernandez had once punched his son's football coach after a dispute about coaching methods. Unfortunately, this was not the only abuse that Hernandez suffered in his early years. At the age of six, an older child forced Hernandez to perform oral sex on him. Excuse me? Yeah. Some children really suck. Some children... How old was he? He was six. Okay. What? Because... But it wasn't just one time. It continued for several more years and ultimately damaged Hernandez for the rest of his life. Hernandez never really dealt with this sexual abuse and as an adult suffered from serious issues with his sexuality. He really never absorbed it and worked past it. So it's... Oh my God. Yeah. I'm like picture... I mean, my students are four, but like... It's rough to picture. I, I can't even imagine a child doing this to another child. Yeah. I can understand not bringing it to anybody's attention, though, as a six-year-old. Cause yeah, because be what would you even say? Exactly. Who would even... I wouldn't even think anybody would believe me. In January 2006, Dennis Hernandez died from complications from a hernia surgery when Hernandez was only 16. That's, that's a way to go. <laughs> Despite the abuse, Hernandez still revered his father, and his death greatly affected him. According to those who truly knew him, he never really got over it. Well, it sounds like he's had a lot of shit so far. Yeah. <laughs> and we're only at age 16, yeah. so buckle up. After the death of his father, the family learned that Aaron's mother, Terry, and his older cousin, Tanya Singleton's husband, Jeff Cummings, had been having an affair. Once the affair became public, Singleton and Cummings divorced. That was the cousin. Divorced the husband. Then the husband, Cummings, moved in with Aaron Hernandez's mother, Terry, which reportedly enraged him, understandably. Yeah. For that reason, Hernandez became estranged from his mother and moved in with his older cousin, Tanya. It was while he was living there that he got more involved with the wrong crowd. He started hanging out with Ernest Wallace and Carlos Ortiz, who both had criminal history, including the use of drugs such as PCP and marijuana. Wallace, being older than Aaron, became his new father figure and mentor of sorts, which set him off running down the wrong path. Drugs became a normal part of Hernandez's everyday life. Hernandez was very popular in high school, which is not a subject that I know a lot about, but during his time (laughs) in high school, he probably ended up partying a lot. His fiancée at the time of his death, Shayana Jenkins, I hope I'm saying your first name right, but I'll just call you Shay from now on, Grew up alongside him in Bristol and remembers him as having to be the class clown throughout high school, which is probably what made him so popular. This would explain why his social life reportedly included a sizable amount of drinking, in addition to the frequent smoking of marijuana. Okay, so when I was in high school, I got drunk all of one time, and then I got in trouble, and then I didn't drink again until college. So, (laughs) I don't know... What that's like. I wasn't cool. Yeah, I was not one of the cool kids, so I don't know what this is like (laughs) either. But also during his time at Bristol Central High School, he became a football star. He played for the Bristol Rams football team as a defensive end and wide receiver until becoming their tight end. 
In his senior year, Hernandez was named Connecticut's Gatorade Football Player of the Year after making 67 receptions for 1,807 yards, 24 touchdowns on offense, and 72 tackles, 12 sacks, 3 forced fumbles, 2 fumble recoveries, and 4 blocked kicks on defense. And a partridge in a pear tree. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Uh, He did a lot more stuff, but it's like all stats and stuff, so if you're not interested in that, we'll just skip right by. Yeah. (laughs) I'm okay. He did a lot of football things. Yeah, he set a lot of state records, and he was named... Seventh best in national high school history for his receiving yards. And he also set a national record for yard receiving per game with 108.7. So, like, I would have loved to have him on my fantasy team is what you're saying. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I would want him on my team. While Hernandez was known for working hard throughout his youth, in his high school football career, he tried the hardest of anyone on the team. During one game in 2006, he took a blindside hit to the head so hard that he was knocked out cold and had to be taken off the field in an ambulance. So just to reiterate, he didn't wake up on the field. He woke up in the hospital. Yikes. At a high school game. That sounds like it might have caused some damage. Yeah, but it didn't stop him from playing, though. In 2007, Scout.com named Hernandez the top tight end recruit, and he had more than a few colleges looking to scoop him up for their team. Initially, Hernandez committed to play at the University of Connecticut with his older brother, but... UConn! (laughs) Yeah, I believe the idea was that they would both go there together, and that Shea would also go there, and they could continue their relationship. But ultimately, he chose to play for the University of Florida under head coach Urban Meyer. Okay. Meyer actually flew to Connecticut and convinced Hernandez's principal to allow him to graduate more than a semester early, which allowed him to move down to Florida, join the team, and learn their playbook just after his 17th birthday. While this was a great opportunity for the up-and-coming athlete, the teenager behind the athlete was not at all ready for this. According to the Boston Globe, The athletic gifts were obvious, but behind them was an angry teenager struggling with an abusive upbringing, a growing dependence on drugs, and questions about his own sexuality. Which jumping into college does not help. Yeah, that's that's a lot out at once. Mm -hmm. Like, he probably should have found a way to deal with that shit before he went to college, but sometimes you don't have the resources to do that, so. Or the time, apparently. You just gotta jump into your football career. Steve Adazio, a Connecticut native, aided Myers in his recruitment, along with former college football coach and Florida quarterback Tim Tebow. (laughs) (laughs) I knew you were going to laugh as soon as Tebow came into the story. I don't know why I think Tim Tebow is so funny. Let's just like talk about Tim Tebow for a second. It's first of all, it's a really funny name. Tim Tebow. Yeah. (laughs) Second of all, remember that whole like trend that went around where you would tebow you yes. would like yes yeah. <laughs> it was like before planking was a thing tebowing and you would just like pray <laughs> fucking no and i think the funniest part about tim tebow is that he didn't he well i'm pretty sure and if this is fake news i'm really sorry i can't believe i just said fake news fuck <laughs> um didn't he he like quit the nfl to do f- baseball and then on his minor league team was running in like practice or pregame something whatever and stepped on a sprinkler in the outfield and broke his ankle 
I just Googled Tim Tebow and the third result is baseball. <laughs> so like, yeah, he was like, I oh, think I've you're done right. football now. I'm going to do baseball. And then he broke his ankle on a sprinkler. And I think he's like, I don't know. Does he, is he still playing baseball? Did he recover from that? Can you give me some, some Tim Tebow facts? I don't know. I'm finding him on baseball reference right now, but let me see if he's, oh my God, he plays for the Mets. <laughs> Does he? If he still currently plays, then Miners three Tebow's seasons. series went pretty much how the 2019 season has gone for the 31 quarterback turned outfielder. He's still adjusting to the minor league oh, baseball yeah. lifestyle. He's in minor leagues. He plays for the Syracuse Mets. Yeah. Okay. Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> what a great question. Let me get somebody to help you with that. <laughs> Oh. I just, I don't understand. I'm looking at, oh, yes. Oh, I'm sorry. He sprained his ankle. He didn't break it. He sprained it. And it was on a sprinkler. That's the most idiotic thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I like that Tim Tebow just became a joke for the whole, like. <laughs> Tim Tebow just is a joke. Tim Tebow, if you're listening. He comes up a couple more times, and I just feel like I'm going to say Tebow, and you're going to hysterically crack yeah, up. I just, he, I just think he's the funniest person. Okay. let's Let's continue. Okay. So both Adazio and the Gators head coach Myers told the young football player that he had the potential to play in the NFL and heavily pressured him to graduate high school early. So if I was 17 and somebody told me that I could be in the NFL if I just graduated early, I would also do it. So I understand. It's a very tempting offer. But Hernandez wasn't academically ready for college. On top of not being at the maturity level for college, he wasn't academically ready. So he had to take remedial courses at Santa Fe Community College. But don't worry, he wasn't alone. So many others from the Florida Gators team also had to take remedial classes at Santa Fe Community College. <laughs> Love yeah. that. Love that for them. So as a freshman at the University of Florida in 2007, Hernandez started three games for the Florida Gators. Between the practices, games, team meetings, and various other events, Hernandez put 40 to 60 hours a week into football. He finished his first season with Florida State with nine receptions for 151 yards and two touchdowns. Despite this initial athletic success, he was not particularly excelling academically. According to one teammate, Hernandez was still trying to be the life of the party. In his freshman year, he took easy courses, including, get ready, because you're going to get jealous that these are even courses, bowling, (laughs) theater appreciation, wildlife issues, and a course called Plants, Gardening, and You. (laughs) I don't know what one I want to take the most. I wish I could take them all. And like, I would, I would ace all of them. Plants, gardening, and you. I just want to know what that's about. I mean, it's definitely about plants, but and gardening and gardening and me and you. <laughs> so those sound pretty easy, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it reminds me of like rocks for jocks. What the heck is rocks for jocks? Like it's like a like a thing. Like all the jocks would take like geology because it was easy or something, and they would call it rocks for jocks. That was like the evolution class I was in, except for I got a D. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's really funny. I've never heard of rocks or jocks before. I'm Googling it right now to make <laughs> sure it's a thing and I didn't just make it up. I believe you. I don't think you just made it up. Rocks for jocks, though. I wouldn't pick geology, I don't think, though. An urban dictionary. <laughs> 
Basic geology taught at the college level, presumably without the academic rigor that might otherwise cause athletes to lose their ability to play due to academic disqualification. So they just, I guess it's just kind of a, a term that they use for like those super easy classes that are kind of like made for athletes. Yeah. So Hernandez was doing rocks for jocks. He was yes. rocking it for his jocks. <laughs> <laughs> for his jock strap. <laughs> but he, he still only earned mostly B's. <laughs> what an idiot. Oh my you got a D. It's probably <laughs> the, all the all the mental shit from like his injuries. Or he's he's just in football season. I feel he's like it's dumb. Well, that could be it too. Then he began to party too hard and was benched in the season opener of his sophomore year due to a failed drug test. Oh. Hernandez would later say that he was high on drugs every time he took the field. <laughs> Are you okay? Yeah. Just picturing me playing softball in college being high off my ass. <laughs> were you ever high on no. the field? No. <laughs> oh, you were definitely hung over on the field. Yes. And then they <laughs> were like, let's have a dry season. And I was like, I quit. <laughs> I love that year. That and was now we have a year. podcast where we dr- get drunk and talk about it. So. For his excessive marijuana use, Myers had actually wanted to throw him off the team but decided to keep him on after an appeal from Tim Tebow. (laughs) (laughs) It was actually at this time that they began to see Hernandez having more trouble controlling his violent outbursts. On April 28, 2007, Hernandez and Tim Tebow were at The Swamp, a popular restaurant near the university campus. The Swamp. Would you eat anything on the menu there? (laughs) No, but I would have loved to be there to see what's about to happen. According... Aaron Hernandez and Tim Tebow and me at the swamp. <laughs> at the together, swamp. The three of us, the, the three musketeers. <laughs> well, I don't know if you would have wanted to be with them on this night. Because according to the police reports, Hernandez was served two drinks and then was asked to pay his bill. To which he replied, do you know who I am? <laughs> the manager then escorted Hernandez out of the building, but Hernandez wasn't going easily. He punched the poor manager in the side of the head and actually burst the man's eardrums. Oh, Yep. This earned the football player a felony battery charge, which was reportedly settled out of court for a pretty nice settlement from the Gators' unofficial defense lawyer. I mean, to be fair, like, in his defense, if somebody cut me off after two drinks, I'd be like, fuck you. I'm fine. Yeah, I would imagine that he was being belligerent to be asked to pay yeah but after two drinks maybe they were going somewhere else after two drinks the story is kind of unclear with that but he the the point is he was asked to pay and said do you know who i am i hate that he's a sophomore football player (laughs) he's not like Like, no i'm sorry i don't know who you are and i like i I would understand it it. that way i kind of would understand it if you were like i'm an nfl player hello unless you're like i don't know sam darnold and you got mono and (laughs) i'm so mad at that guy okay (laughs) so later in his college career he was also brought in for questioning in relation to a shooting a double shooting actually a shooting of two men in a parked car outside a nightclub but there was ultimately no evidence to tie him to the crime it was reported that Hernandez and two other teammates were questioned in relation to the shooting but the police could not determine anything at that time Later, when they reopened the case, Detective Tom Mullins concluded that Hernandez was not the trigger man, although one of the victims initially identified him as such. Other witnesses identified the shooter as an African-American man with dreadlocks, 
but the victims assumed it was Hernandez since they had reportedly had words at the club. Still, he played later in that sophomore season. He started 11 of 13 games in place of the team's injured tight end, Cornelius Ingram, and finished that season with 34 receptions for 381 yards and five touchdowns. Despite his excessive marijuana use, he made the conference honor roll during his sophomore year. I'm sorry. Imagine this. Just picture this. Okay. You are pregnant. You are going to the hospital to have your baby. It's been a long nine months. And you just, you can't wait to not be pregnant and have a drink and like live your life. Okay. And you go through labor and it's really, really hard. And you finally have your baby and he's in your arms and you say, I'm going to name you Cornelius. (laughs) (laughs) Excuse me? (laughs) I was along for the ride. I didn't know where you were going with it. And it ended up amazing. That took me to the best joke I've ever heard. Are you still high on the drugs they gave you? (laughs) You're like, yep, Cornelius is the name. I actually knew there was somebody in my brother's class who you know how when you get confirmed you can pick like a new name he picked cornelius because it was the most ridiculous name (laughs) yeah it is ridiculous i could see it as like a confirmation name yeah but like (laughs) cornelius cornelius ingram corny (laughs) hey corny that sounds like a dog's name i would name a dog cornelius cornelius ingram yeah it's, it sounds Cornying. like the name of somebody that made some awesome discovery that you have to remember for science class. Yeah, because nobody's named their child something that ridiculous in like 50 million years. But he didn't. He was just the Florida Gators injured tight end in 2008. Well, <laughs> you know, good for him. <laughs> so then in 2009, the Gators played the Oklahoma Sooners in the BCS National Championship. I'm sorry, I'm still thinking about Corny right now. <laughs> Who do you think had a harder childhood? Aaron Hernandez, from what we know so far, <laughs> or Cornelius Ingram growing up with the name Cornelius? I'm going to say outwardly Cornelius, <laughs> but all of the stuff that Aaron Hernandez has suffered so far is way more than anybody else should suffer in their full life. That's true. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm back on. I'm back on track. <laughs> In 2009, the Gators played the Oklahoma Sooners in the BCS National Championship, and Hernandez led the Gators in receiving yards with 57 on five receptions as the Gators defeated the Sooners 24-14 to win their second BCS championship in three seasons. As a junior now, Hernandez led the team not only to a national championship, but also in receptions with 68 for 850 yards and five touchdowns. Unfortunately, his grades slipped during this year, and he was given a D in a class on poverty and failed to complete his second attempt at an introductory statistics class. This wasn't all that important to Hernandez, as he was now a football star and catching the eyes of NFL recruiters. But also, I would have failed an introductory statistics class, so... I took a college-level statistics class in high school, and I got, like, a B plus, so... And that's why you teach math. <laughs> <laughs> During his junior year, he received the John Mackey Award, which is given annually to the nation's best tight end. He was also a first-team All-Southeastern Conference selection and was recognized as a first-team All-American by the Associated Press, College Football News, and the Sporting News. 
In the final game of his junior year, he threw the ball into the stands to celebrate a touchdown, which was risking a personal foul penalty. This only showcased the young athlete as a player with little to lose personally if he chose to go into the NFL instead of completing his final year at college. At this point, Meyer, the head coach for the Gators, told Hernandez that he would not be welcome back for a fourth year and would have to attempt to get picked up by a professional team in the 2010 NFL draft. Yeah. Why? I believe the combination of his outrageous behavior, like throwing a football into the stands, that's very dangerous and is risking a personal foul for himself and the team and his drug use. He never stopped doing marijuana throughout the... Okay, but it's marijuana. I know, but they do have to take drug tests and stuff. That's true. Yeah, that's true. It's just like... Yeah. I don't know. I think okay. that probably and his excessive partying. He was yeah. still. I mean, I'm not saying he guy. was like a really great student or anything, but. No, yeah. So. I don't know. If you're a coach, I feel like you're supposed to encourage your players to finish school. I think he tried, but he. I mean, Hernandez obviously wasn't skilled academically, so. And was aiming for the NFL. Yeah, okay. So. Anyway. Hernandez ended up completing his college football career with 11 receptions for 1,382 yards and 12 touchdowns. Then, on January 6, 2010, he announced his decision to forego his remaining eligibility, leave college, and enter the NFL draft. Unfortunately, due to a tear in his muscle that he got during the offseason, Hernandez was unable to perform any of the physical drills that counted towards the draft. Wow. Months later, on March 17th, Hernandez, now physically able to perform, participated at Florida's Pro Day and managed to perform all of the combined drills. His time in the 40-yard dash would have ranked fourth among all tight ends, and his 30 reps of 225 pounds on the bench press would have been the top performance of all tight ends, surpassing the previous record of 27 reps. Which is, I mean, that's a lot of pounds. That's a strong guy. (laughs) Yeah. Like, watch out. With all of his athletic prowess behind him, experts like NFL analyst Mike Mayock stated some off-the-field concerns, like the rumors about his multiple failed drug tests, but still believed that he would be drafted in the second round. However, multiple teams chose not to draft him because, quote, he was a problem. And instead, he wasn't drafted until the fourth round when the New England Patriots selected him. Oh, great. (laughs) The Patriots are actually known for picking up problem children and either turning them around or Antonio Browning them. (laughs) (laughs) I love that that's a verb now. I'd love to keep it a verb. I really... Yeah. I enjoyed how quickly he came and went. Yeah. (laughs) He was a really big meme thing for a little while, and that was very enjoyable. Yeah, for a short amount of time. He got us 15 minutes. Now my favorite meme is the meme about the Redskins versus the Dolphins this Sunday. And how they're like, get your ticket and be sure to see the first ever NFL game with zero to zero points on both. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. Right. But let's get back to the Patriots, shall we? Ugh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Once he was drafted, it was revealed that Hernandez had admitted to NFL scouts that he had a history of marijuana use and had, in fact, failed multiple drug tests in college. He actually wrote a letter to every team offering to be tested every other week during his rookie season. He really wanted to play. 
On June 8th, 2010, the Patriots signed Hernandez to a four-year, $2.37 million contract that included a signing bonus of $200,000. This was less than half of their typical signing bonus of $500,000, but they claimed it was a precautionary measure with Hernandez. To make up for it, his contract included a series of roster and workout bonuses that could total up to an additional $700,000, which is a really great motivator. I think they should do that for everybody. Can they do that for me at work? (laughs) (laughs) I would really love that. If you complete this, you can get $50,000. Yeah. He also had more of a focus on his future. Around this time, he drove back to Bristol, Connecticut and surprised Shay at her college apartment. The two talked about their future together and decided to give it a real shot. According to Shay, they were perfect for each other. When he was drafted, Hernandez said, now that I'm a patriot, I got to start living like one and decided to try and change his life around. Okay. Yeah. We'll see how this goes. (laughs) In training camp, Hernandez competed to be a starting tight end against Alge Crumpler. I was always going to get that one wrong. I'm so sorry. Crumpler. (laughs) Crumpler. Um, Rob Gronkowski. His name isn't Cornelius Crumpler. (laughs) That's an amazing villain name. Like (laughs) a Disney villain. Cornelius Crumpler. (laughs) (laughs) But this guy is like algae crumpler. I don't I don't know. It's A-L-G-E. I don't know how to say it. But crumpler, Rob Gronkowski, and Rob Myers. Interesting. After an impressive preseason along Gronkowski, Hernandez started the 2010 season as the youngest player on any active roster. The Patriots finished that season first in the AFC East with a record of 14-2. And this is when Hernandez started in his first playoff game. He managed to catch one pass for a four-yard gain, but unfortunately, fortunately for me, the Patriots lost to the New York Jets. <laughs> J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. <laughs> Thank you. You're supposed to join in. I, I just appreciated your enthusiasm. Okay. I love the Jets. Yeah, they're okay. I'm really excited to see them lose on Sunday. The 2011 season wasn't an easy one for Hernandez. It started with hip surgery, which put him in the slot of backup tight end for Gronk. It's also during the season that the Patriots received Chad Johnson, a wide receiver previously on the Bengals. According to his attorney, Hernandez offered Chad his number 85, who at this point had now legally changed his name to Ocho Cinco, just in case you didn't recognize Chad Johnson. But at the price of $75,000, Ocho Cinco countered with $50,000, and the money was reportedly used to finance a wholesale marijuana purchase for his cousin's husband, T.L. Singleton. So, yeah, so Hernandez sold Ocho Cinco his number, 85, for $50,000 and then used those $50,000 to buy marijuana. How much marijuana I uh, $50,000? Like, I'm trying to picture it. Too much. Like, it would probably fill up the room that we're sitting in, right? Don't tempt me with paradise. <laughs> <laughs> Fortunately for Hernandez... He finished the 2011 season with a vote to the 2012 Pro Bowl as an alternate. He finished the season with a career-high 79 receptions for 910 receiving yards and seven touchdown receptions in 14 games and 12 starts. Hernandez also ranked 15th among all players with 90 total receptions in 2011. On February 5th, 2012, Hernandez started in Super Bowl 46 and caught eight passes for 67 yards and made a 12-yard touchdown reception. Love the journey for him. This is most likely what earned him his $39.58 million contract extension he signed with the Patriots on August 27th, 2012. Excuse me? Yeah. 
How many million? Hold on. This included a $15.95 million guarantee and a signing bonus of $12.5 million. The $40 million total was the second largest signing bonus ever received by an NFL tight end. What was the first? I don't know. Probably Gronk. (laughs) Fuck the Patriots, man. (laughs) In the 2012 season, Hernandez was sidelined in the week two game against the Arizona Cardinals with a high ankle sprain and missed several weeks which probably sucked for a lot of people's fantasy lineup. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. On December 10th, during the game against Houston, Hernandez managed eight receptions for 58 yards and two touchdowns. His final NFL appearance was the 2012 AFC Championship game on January 20th, 2013, against the Baltimore Ravens. Go Ravens! (laughs) Birds, birds, birds! I knew I'd have to pause there. (laughs) (laughs) Over the years, he had more than just a few aforementioned run-ins with the law. He was pulled over a few times as the passenger of a drunk driver, and after getting his first friend out of trouble simply for being Aaron Hernandez, he tried again with the second friend, telling the officer, Trooper, I am Aaron Hernandez. It's okay. Don't you know who I am? It wasn't okay, and his friend was arrested. (laughs) (laughs) It's fine. It's me. In February of 2013, he was suspected in the shooting of Alexander Bradley. The two men had a rocky relationship, which reached ahead on February 13th when Bradley woke up in a car with Hernandez pointing a gun at his face. Bradley survived the bullet that penetrated right between his eyes, but he ended up losing his right eye. Instead of going through the police, though, Bradley reportedly sought revenge and filed a lawsuit against Hernandez for damages in June 2013. They ultimately reached a settlement for this case three years later, but the terms of the settlement were not disclosed. But I would imagine it was a pretty hefty settlement because that guy lost an eye. Wait, so like he gets shot in the head and he like doesn't like the police aren't involved? No. So I in this instance, it would be called assault and you would have to press charges against Aaron Hernandez. It's still a shooting and I believe he still should have reported it to the police. But he didn't because he wanted money. This guy would rather go without an eye and get money than well, get justice for I it. I guess he was going to lose an eye anyway. Yeah. The so eye. at this point, he's like, let me get all the money that I had. I hope it was enough because later in that same year, Hernandez traveled to California for shoulder surgery with his fiance and baby daughter. While they were there, the police were called twice in less than a week for reports of domestic violence. In one incident, Hernandez had put his hand through a window. There were also drugs and guns in their rented California apartment, according to Hernandez's own brother, who also found his younger brother sitting alone on the building's roof, rubbing the barrel of a gun against his face. So, he's very clearly not doing very well. This brings (laughs) us to June 18th, 2013. Oh, great. This is when... The body of Odin Lloyd was found in an industrial park just a mile from Hernandez's house in North Attleboro, Massachusetts, with multiple gunshot wounds to his back and chest. The police obtained a warrant to search Hernandez's house almost immediately because of their connection. He was reportedly friends with Odin Lloyd. But they got this search warrant after it was discovered that he had intentionally destroyed his home security system and cell phone. They also learned that Hernandez had hired a, quote, team of house cleaners the same day Lloyd's body was discovered. So all of that suspicious behavior brought the police to get a warrant. 
Yeah, okay. They didn't find a lot, though. The very next day after the police searched his house, Patriots coach Bill Belichick asked Hernandez point blank if he had anything to do with the murder, to which Hernandez answered, absolutely not. According to Belichick, the conversation lasted less than five minutes, but it must have been enough for both the head coach and the team's owner, Robert Kraft, to take action. Just two days after the body was found, the Boston Herald reported that the Patriots had barred Hernandez from Gillette Stadium. Initially, this was reportedly an effort to keep the media frenzy away from the stadium. But later, it was reported that the team's management had basically had it with Hernandez and decided that they would cut ties with the player if he was brought up on any charges related to the case. They, just like Meyer, got tired of his behavior. Yeah, I can see that. But it didn't take long for charges to be brought. Just six days later, on June 26, 2013, Hernandez was charged with first-degree murder and taken into police custody. Only 90 minutes later, the Patriots announced they were releasing Hernandez from the team, effectively putting an end to Hernandez's professional football career. This release also meant that he automatically forfeited salaries from 2015 to 2018, which totaled $19.3 million dollars. The Patriots also removed all Hernandez merchandise from their pro shop within hours of his arrest. They essentially erased the player from the team's history. That's pretty boss. Upon his release, the Patriots were required to place him on the waiver, but Hernandez went unclaimed. After Hernandez cleared the waivers on June 28th, the NFL commissioner, Roger Goodell, announced that the NFL would not approve any contract signing with Hernandez until they conducted their own investigation to determine whether or not he should face suspension or other action for a violation of the league's personal conduct policy. On top of this, Hernandez lost all his sponsorships and the University of Florida removed his name and likeness from various facilities around the campus. At this point, Hernandez gave power of attorney to his agent and instructed him to provide his fiance with $3,000 a month and help her find affordable housing. He also made sure to set aside $500,000 for his fiance and baby daughter. Well, that's nice, I guess. Yeah, he's trying. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Maybe I like, don't like fucking kill people. I don't know. Yeah, there's that. Two other men were also arrested in connection with Lloyd's murder. Carlos Ortiz and Ernest Wallace. Sound familiar? They should because they were friends from the wrong crowd that Hernandez made while living with his cousin. Ortiz told the police that Hernandez had rented an apartment secretly in Franklin, Massachusetts. Upon searching that secret residence, according to the Associated Press, the police found ammunition and clothing that could be used as evidence against him. So they didn't find anything in his actual residence, but in this secret apartment, they found what they needed. On August 22, 2013, Hernandez was indicted by a grand jury for the murder of Odin Lloyd. Just a week later... Hernandez was arraigned and pleaded not guilty to the charge of first-degree murder. He was held without bail while reserving the right to request bail later. Didn't know you could do that. On April 15th, 2015... My birthday! <laughs> Hernandez was found guilty of murder in the first degree. Not a happy birthday present. A charge that in Massachusetts automatically carries a charge of life in prison without the possibility of parole. He was also found guilty of five firearms charges. While a motive was never officially established, the investigators believe that Lloyd may have learned of Hernandez's homosexuality, and Hernandez may have worried that Lloyd would out him to others. I believe that he was, or that he was at least struggling with his sexuality since the age of six. Yeah. 
<sighs> Immediately after his conviction, Hernandez was transferred temporarily to the Massachusetts Correctional Institute at Cedar Junction, a maximum security intake facility to begin serving his sentence. He was later moved to Susa Baranowski Correctional Center. That's a fun word to say. It's another maximum security facility to serve out the rest of his life sentence. The maximum security facility where he was kept would hold the inmates in their cells for 20 hours a day. They probably still do. For the two years that Hernandez spent in the prison, he was disciplined dozens of times and, according to his lawyer, taunted by the guards. He did actually break a few prison rules on occasion, including screaming and banging on his cell door. Like most other prisoners, Hernandez found solace in the Bible and focused on his religion. However, according to the Globe, the guards, quote, seemed to turn a blind eye to Hernandez's drug use and neglected to safeguard their famous inmate. So he was just allowed to keep doing drugs. Great. Hernandez was permitted to speak with his fiancée, Shay, on the phone, which he often did twice a day. He only saw his daughter when Shay's mother brought her to visit. However, he did reconnect with his mother, from whom he had been estranged for many years. The Boston Globe described Hernandez as strangely content while in prison, which confused not only the reporters, but his family as well. He reportedly told his mother, quote, I've been the most relaxed and less stressed in jail than I have out of jail. Okay. Um, can't relate. <laughs> I think that really speaks to mental illness. I think people with mental illness really crave structure and yeah. the structure helps them keep their illness in check. And that might be why he was relaxed and less stressed. That was a really smart thing to say. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> On April 17th, 2017, reporter Michelle McPhee appeared on the Kirk and Callahan show, which I've never heard of, and used innuendo to heavily imply that Hernandez was gay. Okay, well, like, what's that? Like, why? I don't know, because they think it's important. Okay. Two days later, on April 19th, 2017, correction officers found Aaron Hernandez hanging by his bedsheets from the window in his cell. He was transported to UMass Memorial Hospital, Leominster, where he was pronounced dead at 4.07 a.m. It was reported that he had been smoking K2, a drug associated with psychosis, sometime within the 30 hours before his death. Is that ketamine? Let's let's give it a goog, because I'm pretty sure it's ketamine, but I don't really know. And ketamine is super, super psychosis stuff. On top of all the mental illness that he had, I mean, any psychotic drug is not good. Yeah. Well, Goog's being a little slow. Oh, here we go. Oh, no, it brought me to a mountain in Asia. <laughs> <laughs> Let's try this again. Synthetic cannabinoids. Okay. It's just synthetic marijuana. Oh, okay. Okay. So it's not K. It's K2. <laughs> Alrighty. Initially, the State Department of Corrections told the public that there had been no suicide note left. However, the state of Hernandez's cell was more than enough to detail his state of mind in the hours before his death. Shampoo was found covering the floor. Cardboard had been shoved under the door, making it difficult for someone to enter, and there were drawings in blood covering the walls. Holy shit. The drawing showed an unfinished pyramid and the all-seeing eye of God with the word Illuminati written in capital <laughs> letters underneath it. 
On April 20th, 2017, investigators reported that they had discovered three handwritten notes next to his Bible, which was open to John 3.16. They also revealed that John 3.16 was written on Aaron's forehead in red ink. Jose Baez, Hernandez's attorney, reprinted the notes in his book. He has a book about Aaron Hernandez that he wrote. It's titled Unnecessary Roughness. (laughs) (laughs) It's a super amazing title. Oh, wait, okay, wait. What is John 3.16? Is it, are you going to tell me? Yeah, okay. we'll get there. All right, all right, all right. One short note was for Baez. It thanked him for securing the not guilty verdict in the double homicide case, which he was facing, which was not important, but it, he got a not guilty verdict, and that's what's important, and was thanking him for the anticipated appeal for the Odin Lloyd murder charges. In addition to that, Hernandez asked Baez to pass along his gratitudes to specific musicians whose songs he found inspiring. I don't know which musicians these are, but I imagine if we got unnecessary roughness, we could hear, but (laughs) we could see them. But I could only really find the note online that he wrote to Shay, and it was only a small paragraph of the note that he wrote to Shay. All right, I'm down. The other two notes were for his fiancée, Shay, and his daughter and were very different than the one addressed to his lawyer. In these notes, Hernandez described a timeless realm which he had entered and claimed that he would see his family in heaven. The letter to his daughter was described by the Boston Globe as strange, rambling, mystic, and tender. (laughs) I was going to try to make a joke about a steak. Ooh. Like that would be a good description for a steak? Yeah, but then I I don't know. You were just going off of tender there. (laughs) (laughs) So I didn't find them, so I can't include them here. But you can find some of the note that he wrote to Shay online. In the section I found, he calls her an angel and tells her to remember how much he loves her and his daughter. But you can find them, as I said before, in Baez's book called Unnecessary Roughness. Hernandez's death was ruled a suicide by hanging, but his lawyer, Baez, immediately disputed this and launched his own investigation. What? In the book, Baez explains that he couldn't believe the suicide angle because Hernandez had been so optimistic after the successful appeal of the double homicide conviction and had expressed hopes in regards to the appeal of the Odin Lloyd conviction. Okay. Later, Baez explains that he came to believe that Hernandez had taken his own life with CTE being a major factor and the reasoning behind that decision. What's CTE? Is that drugs? No. We're about to get to it. Okay. So at the request of his family, the former NFL player's brain was released to Boston University to be studied for signs of chronic traumatic encephalopathy. I hope I said that right. But that's what CTE is. Sounds like a dinosaur. It's not. It's actually a progressive degenerative disease found in people who have had a severe blow or repeated blows to the head. Yeah, that sounds like Aaron Hernandez. In September of 2017, researchers at the Boston University CTE Center released a statement diagnosing Hernandez with brain injuries consistent with CTE, state three out of four, at the time of his death. The statement explained that, quote, CTE is associated with aggressiveness, explosiveness, impulsivity, depression, memory loss, and other cognitive changes. I just got so many chills. I don't know why. Because this has been growing worse and worse in Aaron Hernandez, probably since he was hit that hard in high school. Yeah. And I feel like that just described him like to a T. Mm-hmm. Like 
he had all of those things. So that's what Baez thought. He actually admitted to seeing symptoms consistent with CTE in his earliest meetings with Hernandez. Baez alleged that Hernandez would sometimes show keen insight and observational skills, but other times would have gaps in memory that were highly unusual for a person of his age. Hernandez's fiance and daughter, Aviel, that's her name, it's really cute, filed a lawsuit against the Patriots and the NFL for causing Hernandez's death and depriving his daughter of her father, arguing that his NFL career had caused, quote, the most severe case of CTE medically seen in a person of his age. Ultimately, this lawsuit was dropped without prejudice, which means that they can refile in the future if they choose to. On April 25th, 2017, Hernandez's lawyers filed a motion at the Massachusetts Superior Court in Fall River to vacate his murder conviction. In other words, this would legally void the murder conviction against Hernandez, now because he was dead. The request was granted in May 9th, on May 9th, 2017, meaning that Aaron technically died an innocent man due to the principle of abatement ab initio. This principle, under Massachusetts law, asserts that when a criminal dies without having exhausted all legal appeals, the case reverts to its initial status. Ultimately, what all that means is that the conviction was vacated and Aaron Hernandez was determined innocent. At the time of his death, Hernandez was in the process of filing an appeal for the murder conviction in the case of Odin Lloyd. So it was reverted back to innocent. Odin Lloyd's family was, understandably, angered by the ruling. The appeal was held before the Supreme Judicial Court in November of last year and heard by six justices. The lawyer for the Lloyd family, Thomas M. Quinn III, argued that Hernandez was rightfully convicted of Lloyd's murder and even asserted the idea that Hernandez took his own life knowing that the conviction would be thrown out. Quinn reportedly said, quote, he should not be able to accomplish in death what he never would have been able to do in life. On March 13, 2019, the Massachusetts Supreme Judicial Court reinstated the original conviction. The trial record, however, would note that this conviction was neither affirmed nor reversed. In this ruling, the court also officially ended the practice of abatement ab initio, ruling that it was outdated and never really made sense, which is true. It didn't really make sense. Hernandez's family vowed to fight the ruling with another appeal, which we have not seen yet. Ultimately, Aaron Hernandez was set up for failure from the beginning. His own mental health issues coupled with the intense brain injuries that probably started affecting his behavior as early as high school, which we've mentioned, and his above-the-law status that was reinforced by his Patriots career in the NFL set him up for defeat. I think it's a sad story, really, of a promising young athlete who never really got the guidance and help that he needed. Yeah, I have a couple feelings. Go for it. First feeling is, I feel like even if you do have like a mental, I don't want to say disability or like a condition, like if you killed somebody, you're still guilty of killing them. Oh, yeah. Murder is still a crime that you don't have to commit. However, CTE makes you more aggressive and impulsive. So... I don't I don't I'm not giving him a get out of jail free card right. like he still murdered people but I do think that all of this was completely avoidable with just some therapy and right. some more I don't know better addressed health concerns looking at you NFL yeah um, but not we're never going to stop playing football right, so exactly and then the second thing that I was thinking is I think it's really awesome that his lawyers kept fighting for this after he was dead yeah 
because they saw that it was an issue that really needed to have attention brought to it. And even though everything that they did wasn't really going to benefit this individual because he's already dead, they kept going with it. I think that's really cool. Yeah. I think it is important to bring attention to conditions like CTE because we don't really... I mean, me, me too. I watch the games every Sunday and I just love to see these people bash into each other on the field. Yeah. But I don't think about what it's doing to their brain. Right. But they don't either. They just want to be football players. And make $40 million. Which, honestly, I would take a couple concussions for $40 million. So I totally understand that there. But not every Patriot murders people. That is true. And not every person with CTE murders people. Right. obviously had a really... Again, I really think he was just set up for failure. He He wasn't ever given a fair chance. Yeah. But... I would like to leave you with what Aaron Hernandez left us with, which is John 3.16. Oh, right. John 3.16 reads, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have eternal life. For God loved the world so much that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not die but have eternal life. Oh, I like that. Me too. I think that in his heart, Aaron Hernandez was a good guy and he just couldn't control his explosive outbursts. Yeah, he got dealt like a really, really, really bad hand. hand. Yeah. And for that, I'm sorry. Yeah. I just think it's a really sad story for both sides, for Odin Lloyd's family too, for Shay and Aviel doesn't have a father anymore. Yeah. She has a really cool name, but like, don't follow her. And like, you can only imagine what like people probably say to her about her dad oh yeah it's probably terrible and they probably and the patriots get a lot of shit for it too i don't like them but i'll give them shit for literally (laughs) everything else though (laughs) i would have given them shit if they continue to play antonio brown because come on (laughs) yeah antonio brown is a dick and so is tom brady hello he makes out with his son i'm sorry i'm sorry what tom brady makes out with his son like please if you're listening google like tom brady kissing son his son is like 12 like way too old for this shit and there's like multiple times that there's like pictures of tom brady kissing his son on the lips and it's like a a little too long and like i know that this was like a meme a couple years ago but i i can't get over it like any anytime somebody's like i love tom brady i'm like uh he makes out with his son yeah scroll down there's videos Yes, it's a video. He's getting a massage and his son comes in and like makes out with him. This um, is an actual article titled Tom Brady Kisses His Son on the Mouth Patriots. Yes, I told you. <laughs> there was a, there was a meme going around that was like, because t- you know how Tom Brady like um, cries a lot. Like on the f- like if if he doesn't get a call that goes his way, he like sulks. <laughs> no, oh, he's like 12. Oh, he's like a baby. Yeah. And there was a there was a picture. It was a meme and it was a picture of him like looking all sad because of like a call or something and then the caption was when your son is having a sleepover at his friend's house so you can't make out with him (laughs) (laughs) i just want to oh yeah well that's bill belichick he kisses bill belichick too that's gross i'll find a picture that's gross i picture bill belichick as like a dementor so every time you kiss him a piece of your soul is going into bill belichick (laughs) oh my god (laughs) My mom told my grandmother that she didn't like Bill Belichick because he was like an angry white guy. And 
my he is an angry white guy my grandmother said that that was racist of her to say here look see okay that's like strange. too much he's like too old for that shit. that's cu- it's cute right there when he's like a little kid he's kissing all kinds of people he why does he kiss everybody, everybody? <laughs> look at this guy's reaction tom brady <laughs> if you're listening son like oh my god Tom Brady, can you the explain this kissing? The caption of this video me? is Tom Brady kisses little boys. <laughs> Disturbing. Oh my god, it is though. I just want to know why. What is your idea behind kissing people? I know we were talking about Aaron. Her- oh, you want to know an interesting tidbit I learned while I was researching this case? Oh yeah. Is that like, so he he had a lot of different crimes come up during his career with the Patriots um the double homicide and then obviously Odin Lloyd but also his drug use and partying behavior was getting a little out of hand I guess it was more partying than Gronk who I think is known as a partier yeah um but Gronk even would like walk out of interviews that mentioned Hernandez he wouldn't talk after he was released from the Patriots he won't talk about him and they all just ignoring the fact that he that's why I find this exceptionally sad. They immediately removed him from all Patriots things and just kind of threw him yeah. away. And it's like, which was really I can sad. understand because it's like they want to avoid any, any backlash that they were yeah. going to get for having him. Yeah. I understand that, but this guy worked his whole life to get on an NFL team. Mm-hmm. And to me, I mean, Antonio Brown, I guess could have been picked up, but he was a dick. So nobody picked him up to me. If you're dropped from the Patriots, that's it. That's the end. But like he also murdered somebody. No, I understand that. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, like, I know I keep diminishing. No, because like in on one hand, it's like he's a murderer, obviously. But on the other hand, it's like he had something actually wrong with him yeah. for the longest time that went unchecked. Yeah. I mean, if you had cancer that went unchecked and it was stage three, somebody would flip out about it. Yeah. Yeah. But... That's the story of Aaron Hernandez, and I'm sorry I meant to leave you with something. And <laughs> and then we went on a and we went on a tangent about Tom Brady making out with his son. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, okay, well, great job. I loved it. Well, I, I hated it, but I loved it. Um, <laughs> I hope that you enjoyed it. Hin- hindred, hindered, <laughs> hindered, hindered, Carrie, Carrie. I hope that you enjoyed it, Carrie, because I actually really enjoyed looking this up, and I uh, um. I did a lot of looking up on like the Boston Herald and the Boston Globe and all that stuff. But there's also a new documentary called Aaron Hernandez Uncovered by Oxygen that's out. And you can find it on Hulu, actually. And it's got pretty much everybody that's not a Patriot talking in there. They're, obviously, the Patriots aren't commenting. They want to pretend that none of it happened. But Shay talks about him. His college girlfriend talks about him. Aww. His cousin, who he lived with, talks about him. So there's... There's a lot of people that actually knew him that talk about him and the change that happened because you can't get to stage three without getting hit a ton more times. So yeah. um, speaking of documentaries, I forgot to tell you this, but um, Chris Porco is suing the people that made the documentary about him. No. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> Bob was like, my stepdad was like, just be careful about what you say on your podcast because they're getting sued for like because he still is claiming that he's innocent and okay but (laughs) but i was like we just reported on facts you know 
We just reported the facts, and I'm so sorry, Chris, but the facts point a really big bloody <laughs> finger at you. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. So I um, feel like you can you can Chris sue Borgo if you're listening from your jail cell. Don't sue us. <laughs> don't be listening to this podcast from your jail cell. <laughs> can yeah. you imagine if you were actually? <laughs> actually, I think that I would like look up true crime yeah, podcast right? just to see if I was talked about. Yeah, I bet not a lot of people talk about him. No, I don't think so either. But you know what? <laughs> so wouldn't that be funny? Somebody did, and now they're getting sued. So maybe that's why. Wouldn't it be funny though if you do end up getting like a cease and desist in the mail? It's like, please stop talking about Chris Porco, and then you'd be like, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, right. Give um, me some evidence that points to you being innocent, innocent and I'll talk about give that. Give me some evidence that you didn't ax your mother and father to death. Yeah, give me some evidence that isn't your poor mother misremembering the entire thing or not remembering it at yeah. all. Because yeah. That poor woman has been through enough. Yes, exactly. Okay, so please follow us on our Instagram at Dead Drunk Crime. We post all of our drinks on there. We post some fun memes. It's a cool time, so come hang out with us over there. If you decide to recreate any of our beverages, beverages, um, (laughs) please tag us on Instagram because we would love to see what you make. Um, go to our website for more information on this case and other cases and for all of our sources that website is dea drunkcrime.home.blog the the dead and the drunk just share a d yeah they're just sharing one d it's okay super kinky share your d's um (laughs) uh if you would like to email us case suggestions our gmail is deaddrunkpod at gmail.com and we will try and do the best job like we did with this suggestion yeah. which I'm not going to say I was already halfway through when you suggested <laughs> it <laughs> and exciting news that I guess once you're finally listening to this it will have been a couple weeks but we have merch oh yeah we have really cool stuff guys yeah we have a bunch of things that you can buy with our logo on it and we're so excited about it um if you go buy it between, I think this is going up the 24th of October. I tried to look at the calendar. If it's not, I'm really sorry. Um, <laughs> but so if you go on right now up until the 25th of October, you get free shipping on anything that you order. That link is linked on our Instagram bio. I believe it's spreadshirt.com. And we're called Dead Drunk, a True Crime Podcast. I don't know exactly what the link is. We're really bad at this. Please just go to our Instagram and you can um, find it there. And I'll put it in the show notes. How about that? Woo! All right. Um, Okay. Bye, Mom. Bye, Mom.